Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Good morning. My name is John Mark. If you don't know me, I'm one of the elders, one of the pastors here. Uh, so glad you're here with us. Uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 39. Uh, this morning, and we'll get to that in just a second. But as I was mulling over the text last night and thinking through it and praying for it this morning, I was reflecting on a conversation that I had yesterday afternoon with my daughter, Eva. Um, we were sitting before her choir concert. They had a choir concert last night with the choir she's a part of, and we were sitting there, and she asks me, why do people get coal at Christmas? why do people get coal at Christmas? I wasn't sure if she had like recently done something. Maybe she was like, am I going to get coal? But we had this, we had this idea, this conversation come up and she, she was like, why, why do people get coal in their stocking instead of presents? And we began to talk about what that is and what happens. And, and as she was saying, oh man, if, if people who do bad get coal, I guess we all really deserve coal is what she said. I guess we all really deserve coal this year. To which I had to remind her and myself, that's the, the beautiful thing about Christmas. The beauty is that, yes, we, we all deserve coal, but instead we're given the greatest gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that coal is really just um, a reminder. None of us deserve a present. The presents at Christmas are undeserved, which remind us of the greatest undeserved present that we get. Jesus. And I was super excited about this. I was like, man, I am like kicking it with this dad stuff. She goes, cool, and then goes off and plays. I had this grand epiphany, and she got an answer to her question and went off on her way. But last night I was reflecting on that. You know, an eight-year-old girl saying, surely we all deserve coal at Christmas. You know, I love Christmas. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I've said that before. Like, I am a big fan. I love the sights, I love the sounds, the nostalgia, the traditions, all of it. It's all perfect to me. Uh, but I have to admit it too. There is a brokenness in the world, right? Clamoring for coal, but desiring the gifts. I think this is, we've been reading C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia on, Sunday, or on evenings to my, my younger ones, and I think he does a great way of describing the brokenness of Narnia under the white witch. He, he says Narnia was made into a world that's always winter, but never Christmas. Always broken and longing for the coming of hope and the gift of Christmas. And there's so much of that in our lives this recognition of brokenness, but also this longing in our hearts to thaw that winter of our world. 
And maybe you're coming here this morning, we talk about Christmas, and maybe Christmas is a little more difficult, whether through, through loss or difficulty or loss of job. There's something, and it makes it difficult. Maybe that's where you find this yourself this morning, whether financially the dollars aren't as stretchy as they used to be, or relationally in your marriage or with your family and the gatherings that are coming up, it's stressful, or your vocation and there's a job. In, in some way, we are all feeling the weight of the brokenness of the world and the longing in our hearts for hope and salvation. And it's so great that we sung that song just before this. This is one of my favorite Christmas hymns. Come thou long expected Jesus. Think about those words. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, the hope of all the world thou art, the dear desire of every nation, the joy of every longing heart. I love those lines. Christ is the joy of every longing heart. What a perfect word for this season. Longing. It's a word that almost makes you, like I've said before, makes you feel it when you say it. Longing. Longing is every, every thought and feeling you have about the imperfection and incomplete things in your life or in your existence, coupled with this intense yearning for the completion and perfection of those things. That's what longing is. And as we sung that song this morning, the author writes of that longing heart. And there is that longing heart in this time of year. And I'm sure you, you remember that feeling as a child. You're so excited for Christmas to be here. You're so excited to open the presents and, and eat the food and experience the things. And then it comes and then it goes and the magic is, is gone. It's like we want to reverse time and rewrap the present so we can experience it all over again each day. We, we, we have the meals, we eat, and then we're hungry again. And it seems like this time of year, like we eat and eat and eat, but we eat and then we're hungry again. We are longing for food and for the gatherings to last. And then we have this hymn this morning reminding us that Christ is our hope and our consolation, the desire of our longing hearts. I apologize for the intro, but the, the length of it, but I wanted to set this stage for this idea of longing in this season, because this is a season of hope, but yet we have this longing in our hearts. And what better way to reflect on this, right, than with a few more songs from Scripture? So as we get into the season of Advent, we're going to be looking through and walking through the psalms that are the songs that lead up to the birth. We're going to look at today the song of Mary. Next week is going to be Zechariah's song. And then we're going to have the song of the angels. And there are these songs that happen in Scripture. And so this morning we're going to look at, at the song of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're also going to flip back to another psalm, a song from the Old Testament that both reflect on what God is doing in the longing heart. And so with that, let's dive in. Let's read Luke chapter 1, 39 through 55 to set the stage. He says, In those days, Mary arose and went in haste to the hill country, to the town of Judea, and she to the town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb uh, leapt, sorry, 
And the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then you have Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. His name is holy. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He exalts those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with the good things and the rich he has sent away empty. But he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Let me pray and then we'll dive in. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts this morning, that we would hear from you, that we would be stirred by your word to confess sin, to repent, and to cling to the hope that is found in your son. It's in your son's name we pray this. Amen. Okay, so we have Mary's song, right? This song that unfolds kind of just on the spot, and it's a beautiful song. It's probably titled in your 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 Bible, the Magnificat, which is really just a translation of that first line into the Latin, uh, and it kind of just stuck, but that's what it means. It's a proclamation of my soul magnifies the Lord. And that's how she begins her reflection on the, the recent events of her life. She's magnifying the Lord because something amazing has happened into the ordinary every day. God has brought the extraordinary. And this young girl is caught up in the middle of it. This song Mary sings concerns the announcement, right? She's not singing this out of nothing. It concerns the announcement that has unfolded and been made to her in Nazareth by the angel Gabriel. The announcement is that Mary would be the mother of the Messiah, the son of God. And it's an amazing announcement, but I'm sure not one that's easy to hear. Not one easy to bear. She's, she's young, she's unwed, she's poor, and now she's expectant. And there's all the explanation, all the baggage that comes in a culture of shame when, when a young girl is pres, uh, pregnant outside of wedlock. And so uh, it's amazing, but there's all of these things that are difficult to process for her in this moment and have got to have her brain spinning. And so after this angelic announcement that, that's proclaimed to her and the receiving of the news, it says she went in haste, quickly, right, to, to her, her, her cousin Elizabeth, this, I'm sure, trusted friend, advisor, confidant, someone with whom she could kind of process the news of all this, this big thing that's unfolding. And when she arrives, already overwhelmed with the weight of what she's carrying and the position she finds herself in, she's met in that way with, with a blessing from Elizabeth. 
And as she goes to meet her, her, her cousin, her confidant, she's greeted in this way because she's not alone in her visitation. We see earlier in chapter one, Elizabeth and Zechariah also had a visitor of their own, and they too were expecting a son. And so you have these two extraordinary birth announcements, right? One to uh, Mary, who is young and unwed, and one to Elizabeth, who is old and, and barren. And you have these ordinary things and the extraordinary unfolding in it. And then you have now the, the baby, along with Elizabeth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, jumping in excitement when Mary approaches. And so imagine what must be going through Mary's mind and thoughts in this moment. There was an angelic visitor, which is wonderful, uh, with this wonderful news, but surely terrifying, and with the expectation and fears of pregnancy and a coming baby, and then add to that this cousin, her cousin's unexpected blessing brought on by the Holy Spirit when she is seen, she's moved. The baby and her are proclaiming in joy at, at Mary's coming for they have all been blessed by God. And it was out of this, the Holy Spirit moving, it was out of all of that, all of that tension of, of not quite yet and difficulty and the glory of what is to be. You have all of that happening. And out of that, Mary sings this song out of joy, out of faith and hope in God, out of her longing and desire out of awe of who God is and also how he has blessed her and is about to bless the world and how he will be a blessing to all people. You have this song burst forth from Mary. And if you look at the text of it, so much of the, the text of this song is deeply personal. This isn't a standoff song of some hollow words to try and magnify something she half-heartedly believes, but there, there is deeply personal things. She says, God has taken thought of me. He notices me. He is mindful of me. And how he has blessed her. So it is deeply personal, but it is also very, very biblical. She is singing this song and she is quoting scripture left and right. She is borrowing from 1 Samuel chapter 2 and Hannah's song about her joy at the coming of a child. And multiple times she pulls from the Psalms, which she clearly knew well, right? She knew scripture well. So if, if nothing else, if you hear nothing else this morning, study Brothers and sisters, your, your word so that when these difficult moments come, whether brought about by God and the Holy Spirit or not, you have scripture flowing out of your mouth and pointing you back to our Savior and Lord. And so this is, this is what's unfolding in this, in this text. And one of the Psalms she references, which is where I want to spend a lot of our time this morning, bouncing back and forth between her song and, and Psalm uh, 107, uh, she quotes it in verse 53 as she's rejoicing in the providence of God uh, to her and to his people as, her, as a whole. She quotes Psalm 107, verse 9. And Psalm 107 is like one of my favorite psalms right now. It has been, I think, for like the last year. I love because it tells these, these stories. Uh, it's an amazing psalm. If you haven't read it in a while, go back and read it. But she quotes 
Psalm 107, and she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And this idea, she has, he has filled the hungry with good things. This is not normal stomach pains, pangs, that's a hard word to say in front of people, pangs of hunger. But rather the psalmist and, and Mary are speaking of the hunger of a human heart and soul. She is saying it in this, this difficult but beautiful spot in her life that she knows the longing heart is satisfied by God alone. And so if you could flip over Psalm 107, 9. Keep, keep your ribbon, keep your thumb in Luke because we will bounce back there. But she's talking about this hunger for he satisfies the hungry he gives good things. Psalm 107 verse 9, it says, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. If I could, I want to give you three thoughts this morning on, on the longing of a human soul. First, a hunger, this longing of a soul is a universal condition. This, not, this is not encapsulated by, by emotional psalmists and unwed pregnant teenagers. Longing is a, a universal condition. You see this Psalm 107 was a Psalm of pilgrimage. Right? This was a, a song, a song for those who had been through much. If you don't know anything about the Old Testament, Israel went through a lot. They were constantly going with things. They learned every lesson by the hardest way possible. And this song was kind of a remembrance of that, who had been through much. Uh, and it was a song to be sung by those who were also looking forward to much and were hopeful about much, but it was a reminder too that they cannot set their hopes on anything but God. It was a song to remind God's people of their hardships, of their, their toils and snares, that they suffered under captivity. It was to remind God's people, this psalm, that they were wanderers, that they were not native to the land, but they were wanderers, and it is God who will give them what they need. Like I said, if you look at the whole of the Psalm 107, you see these little vignettes, these little stories that pop up, and, and it's basically the same thing. It's people who looking for things to satisfy themselves and not finding it, and God intervening with his steadfast, unfailing love. And it's just over and over again, you see this, this progression happening of thing. They look for hope. They look for the fulfillment of where they're at. They don't find it, and God provides a way and draws them back to himself with her, his unfailing love. Look back at, at verse one, uh, four of 107. Verse four, it says, some wandered in the desert wastes, finding no city to dwell in. They hunger and thirst, and their soul fainted within them. And so you see, they are wandering. They're looking and searching for something to fill them. All hearts are hungry for something. Brothers and sisters, your, your hearts are hungry and longing 
for something. And if we are not careful, we will restlessly search the world for fulfillment, but we will come up empty because we are so much like the, the Israel that the psalmist was writing of, a restless people. Anyone who's lived a day on this earth and has lived this life in the least understands what I mean. Hunger is a universal condition of every human soul. The psalmist says it here, and Mary is saying it in the song we are looking at, that all souls are hungry and longing, but it is God alone who fills the hungry with good things. And so that brings me to point number two, that only God can satisfy a longing heart. You see, the human heart hungers and thirsts, the psalmist says, but it can only find true eternal satisfaction in God. It is in him alone. He is the one who fills the hungry. The restless will only find rest in God, to paraphrase Augustine. And if you look back at the song Mary is singing, you see it is in joy that Mary and the psalmist both proclaim it. It is God alone who can give good things and let the hungry soul be filled, the longing soul find rest. So if God is the only satisfaction of all human hearts, why all, and, and we, we are all in the same boat, right? Along with Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction, right? We're not gonna find it. We are all in this same boat. Then why are we not running to God? In a word, sin. Sin has corrupted our hearts and turned it against God. That's the horrible evil of sin. The only remedy of a longing heart is the one who can satisfy it. And that is what sin does. It says to find satisfaction in anything other than the God of truth and hope and peace. Sin is saying look for satisfaction in anything else. And brothers and sisters, friends, our hearts from the moment we are born is full of, of enmity, the scripture says, hatred of God. That's what Paul reminds us in the New Testament of. The human heart on its own is full of animosity towards God and that our natural thought and desire are not of God, nor are the thoughts, our thoughts to submit to him or to give him honor. Rather, we're like Adam and Eve way back in the garden. We would rather choose to believe the lie that we can find satisfaction somewhere else, that we can go our own way and do something other than find our peace, our hope, and our rest in God. That might be a hard pill to swallow, but that's the reality of every human heart. Every human heart. If you need more proof than, than scripture, look at the world we live in, right? We live in a time that you can pick anything about yourself and claim it as true. Live your truth, follow your passion. These are like, like people are getting that tattooed on themselves. These are bumper stickers, slogans everywhere. That is the call of this world. Follow your passion, live your truth. Everyone is looking for what satisfies the longing heart. And dear ones, even, even, in here, in, in the church, we are prone to this kind of thinking. 
How many times have we thought or said aloud that, man, if I just had this, right? Like uh, Merle Haggard sung some 30 years ago, 40 years ago, however old he is, but like if we make it through December, we'll be fine. Like he's thinking about the things he doesn't have. How many times have you thought or said to yourself, if I just have this, or if I just get that, that will be enough. Or maybe it's, man, if, if I could make this much at work or make this much here, or if my wife or my husband could be like this, man, I would be satisfied. I would be so much less grumpy if I could just fill in the blank. If I could just have that, I would be content. It might be relationships in or out of wedlock. It might be the, the hungry longings of a soul with thoughts like, if I could just have this, or if they could just love me like that, or be this for me, or if I could just make this much money, or if I could just drive this car, or have this house, then I would be satisfied. Listen, brothers and sisters, your spouse will never be your everything. They will never be able to satisfy your longing heart. They will never be enough to quiet the hunger pains of your soul nor will money, nor will anything else. There will never be enough dollars in the bank to make you content. God is the only one who will truly satisfy. And Mary throws this out, this idea, right, out by, by examining in contrast, right? He fills the longing soul, the hungry with good things, but the rich he sends away empty. And this is not merely the wealthy, right? He's not saying, if you make this much, get out. But what he's saying, what, what he's saying is so much more. It's not merely the wealthy, wealthy. She's talking about, the Lord is talking about those who, who possess the things that they think they can self-satisfy by. He is saying that those who, who think they can self-satisfy are sent away. You see, you, you might be unlucky enough to be blessed with all the ways that can distract you from the truth. You might be blessed in such a way that you can find satisfaction for daily need in such a way that you ignore and can quiet the hunger and longing in your soul. You might have enough stuff to make your life comfortable that the hunger and the longing of your soul will be quieted. Brothers and sisters, I think it should be our prayer that, that, and this is a difficult prayer, and this is a prayer that literally has been circul circulating in my mind so much lately because there is so much in me that wants to have, that wants to get, but there is this prayer that I have prayed that we should be praying that God would deny us the things that would numb our heart for him. It's a terribly difficult prayer because God is more than willing to answer that. But it must and we must awaken our need for Christ alone who will be enough. Because stuff is stuff. And it is God who gives you good things to satisfy the longing and the hunger of your soul. And this is the, the paradox of plenty in America that we live in. We have so much stuff and so many things and people around us, we can try to cram everything into that vacuum in our hearts, hoping to fill it. 
We live in an age of such wealth. And like I said, I don't mean just money, but everything can be at our fingertips. Entertainment is available. You can watch any movie, good or bad, within moments on your phone. Yet people are bored and empty. Boredom is like rampant, especially in my house, right? We have a thing, and this is a side note, like our children are bored, we make them clean. It's a good tool. Use it, parents. They say they're bored. Wash windows. We can always implement it more, but it's a good thing. Um, but people are bored and easily just dismissive of things. We live in a world that's more connected than ever before. Everyone in this room probably has a phone in their pocket right now, but yet loneliness is in higher degrees than it's ever been. We are longing to satisfy the emptiness of our souls. C.S. Lewis says it like this, we are far too easily pleased. Uh, And he illustrates it in this way, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offering of a holiday at the sea. We have convinced ourselves that God and his word are only trying to rob us of the things that we enjoy. But in reality, he is giving us his word and calling us to himself to keep us from harm, to find the only joy and fulfillment in him. And so we settle for mud pies. We settle for a person or material things to try to fill the longing. But in reality, what we need is Christ Jesus. It brings me to my final point, that Jesus is the only answer to the longing of our heart. Jesus is the true hope and joy of Christmas. That's what we sung about this morning, right? Come now long expected Jesus. Jesus is the one who fills our longing hearts. Look what Christ says in John 14, or John 4, 14. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, Christ, in in talking to this Samaritan woman who was looking for fulfillment in anyone and in everything she could, is confronted with the truth with Jesus Christ, and he alone offers the living water that quenches that dry and thirsty soul. This is the message of Christmas as we look forward to celebration and to all the things, and we have that longing that's there in our hearts. Our souls are hungry and thirst, and we cannot find the answer, but then Christ came in a manger long ago to fulfill our longing hearts with good things. John six thirty five. right? I am the bread of life, he says. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so we come full circle to this beautiful song of Mary as she magnifies the Lord from the outpouring of her soul in that troubled spot, but hopeful in the promises of God that he is coming to fill and to satisfy her longing soul. 
brothers and sisters, into the ordinary, God brought the extraordinary. Into the difficult season, he brings hope. Into the always winter world of Narnia, he brings Christmas. If you find yourself like those in Psalm 107, it says, at their wits ends. And the call is simple, to call on the Lord in your trouble. And he will satisfy the hunger of your longing soul. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your son, for the word made flesh. Father, for satisfying the hunger in our soul the way nothing else and no one else can. Father, as we celebrate this Christmas season, Father, let us find contentment not in the activity, the things, the tradition, but in the one who came to save. Father, let us, like the psalmist said, cry out to the Lord in our trouble and you will deliver us from stress. Father, it says that you made the storms be still. You hushed the waves. You quieted the water. Father, let us thank you for your steadfast love and for the wonderful work of Jesus Christ. Father, let us find satisfaction in your Son alone. Amen. Praise God from Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamlin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.